0: Welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Newton. Let's kick off. All right, good evening and welcome into Six Again. Uh, My name's Adam. I'm here with our 2020 uh, NRL finals preview show. So, usually I'd have my co-host here, Jared. However, the town that he lives in is having a full blackout for the entire night. So, what I'm going to be doing is going through our usual intro, and then Jared will be joining me at a later date to preview the four matches. So, I'll be taking you through our signings, injuries, finals news and updates, and anything else that's been going on in the rugby league world. And, um... This is the first time I've done this by myself. It's quite weird. I am sitting here looking into a camera, uh, in my study by myself, as normal. However, there's no one talking back to me, so it's kind of um, it's kind of COVID. Kind of matches, I guess, the year. And uh, we're leading into the finals, which is going to be a finals like no other. And um, We can't really predict what's going to happen, even though we do have favourites. And same as every other year, you still just don't know how things are going to fall out. Is the temptation of getting outside the NRL bubble going to be playing on players' minds? We're not sure. But we'll get to that um, with our actual match preview. But to kick off, news coming outside of the finals at the moment is, we mentioned last show that Kevin Walters has been selected and announced as the Broncos coach for the next two seasons. Uh, There's also momentum gaining that uh, Craig Bellamy will be there from 2022 onwards, although he hasn't come out and said anything official. The news following on from that is Queensland Rugby League chair has announced that Wayne Bennett is the most likely candidate to be the Queensland State of Origin coach for 2020. Although it hasn't been made official, there's commercial details and stuff that they need to go over. Um, He has made it, or I'm not going to say clear, but he did say that this is a one-year appointment, whether they're going to go through a whole new process to appoint a new coach next year. And Wayne Bennett could still be that coach. He said that this is just a one-year thing at this stage. Um, Reason why they were targeting Bennett for a one year thing. Queensland's going to have their youngest and least experienced side in the history of origin, supposedly, uh, which gives us a bit of an inside look at the team that they are thinking about selecting. The likes of Fodder Awaker, AJ Brimson from the Titans, um, Ponga from the Knights, etc. etc. Uh, can give us a fair indication about. While they won't lack in talent, they will definitely be lacking in experience compared to a New South Wales Blues side that's had their core together for a few years now. Uh, We'll do more State of Origin talk after the final series and probably during as teams fall out and um, are selected for their uh, respective states. On uh, Getting off State of Origin news, back to club land. New Zealand Warriors are back in New Zealand. Uh, serving their two week quarantine in hotel rooms, um, supposedly in good uh, good frame of mind knowing that they 're so much closer to seeing their family on a permanent basis and the CEO Cameron George has already come out to the NRL and requested that they would like to start twenty twenty one season with a block of home games which In all honesty, it's probably the least the NRL can do if there's a trans-Tasman bubble set up for travel. Um, I don't think there'd be any fans against giving them five, six games, I'd say, in a row at home um, and then staggering throughout the season. So, yeah, they might have a slightly greater home field advantage at the start of the season, but I think after what they've done this year, uh, they kind of deserve it. Um, to finish 10th place with the team that they had players dropping like flies players going home Um, you add to that the signings they've got for next year in Kane Evans, Ben Murdoch Masilla, and Fenua Blake the fact that Fusatut and Mamalo will be back as well, they have a pretty solid team so I think a a block of home games maybe towards the start and then maybe again at the end Um, will definitely serve them well they definitely gathered a bunch of new fans, I would say, through what they've done this year. And it'd be great to be able to reward them, especially back home. Uh, hoping the NRL will come out and say, it'll probably be after finals, Origin, and that sort of stuff, um, when we have a clear indication of what's going on in the COVID world. But it would be nice to see them uh, give back the Warriors after what they've given the given the rest of the game. All right, um, my guess this isn't a huge surprise, but the NRL has also made the call to move the NRL Grand Final location from the Sydney Cricket Ground to ANZ Stadium. Um, they're also requested permission, and it looks like it's been granted that they will be able to have forty thousand people at the Grand Final. It's an eighty-five thousand seat stadium, roughly. Um, So a person every two seats or whether they'll stage them in groups, uh, that's yet to be uh, clarified. But 40,000 people at a grand final is much better than 10, 15 or 20. As long as they can do it safely, this is obviously the best outcome for the NRL, the players and the fans and media, I guess. Uh, So that's good news to hear, I guess. Um, Not so much if you're a fan of the grand final at Suncorp, which... uh, both Jared and I lived in Queensland. That would have been really cool. Even though we have travelled down to Sydney a fair few times for the grand final, it would have been nice to have one closer to home. But the grand final location has changed to ANZ Stadium. All right, so outside of that, injuries and signings. We'll do the signings first, I think. Uh, Nathan Peets, pretty high profile at the time, moving from Parramatta to the Gold Coast. He's, been, he's free to leave. He's not going to be re-signed by the Gold Coast. He's played 76 games for them since signing on in 2016. Uh, Been injury hit. Been through a couple of, um, let's say, indiscretions, but off-field misdemeanours. Oh, actually, misdemeanours is probably a a tough word. Been brought in some of the off-field dramas that have occurred at the club over time. And injury never really locked down his position. And with the... Talent shown in Aaron Clark and, and Mitch Rain's solid form and Tanner Boyd. There's just too many there. So he's been um, asked to continue his career elsewhere. On top of that, staying at the Gold Coast, they've locked uh, rookie outside back Tremaine Spry in for a two-year contract extension. So a really good reward there for a player who was a bit shaky, to be honest, at the start of this year, but has really come into his own towards the end of the season with... Um, being consistently picked for a team that's on the rise under Holbrook. So, well done, Tremaine Spry. Uh, moving further north, homegrown product up at the Cowboys, Reuben Cotter has also been rewarded with a two-year contract extension. Uh, it's going to be interesting now to see what happens with Jake Granville. So, Reuben Cotter's been playing hooker, starting hooker. Granville's been out of the squad. Um, and this is after Reece Robson's injury. So it looks as though Reese Robson and Ruben Cotter may be the hooker selections moving forward. So keep an eye on what may happen with Jake Granville. There's a team looking for a hooker, Manly, <coughs> um, that may be able to get the best out of him once again. Uh, now the one we mentioned this a week or so ago: rumours around Tom Starling um, being offered a new contract. He's signed on with the Raiders for another two years. Seems like two. Years is the thing. Uh, So congratulations, Tom Starling. Great reward there for what has been very impressive form. Um, Similar in style to Harry Grant, very quick off the mark, but very shifty as well. Reads the game well, solid in defense, creative in attack, and a great uh, I'm not gonna say pick up, but a great re-signing there by the Raiders. Uh, let's have a look here. What are we on to next? I guess this is a big talking point from today and leading into the not only the finals, but origin as well, is these injuries.
1: So, first of all, I'm just gonna have a drink because I've been talking a lot more than I usually would. Thank you, Black Ops. So, three injuries from,
0: sorry, two injuries from round 20 uh, that we didn't cover. Katoni Stagg's ruptured his ACL Um, in Friday night's game against the Cowboys. Uh, Seeing Friday night. We, I said, I was at a Bucks party that one, so we were watching it, but we didn't hear everything. And it didn't pop up in our news for our last show. Um, So he's obviously going to miss Origin. He would have been probably, I'm not going to say a shoe-in, but he definitely would have been one of the favourites to take Tom Turbo's or Tommy Truboevich's position. Uh, Tom Trobojevich also has ruled himself out of state of origin uh, selection due to his ongoing shoulder injury that he picked up after a turn from his hamstring injury. So he has decided to, well, he decided to call Brad Fittler and rule himself out. Um, Brad Fittler's come out and lauded that decision, giving more time to formulate a plan around his replacement. So, no, no Tom Treboy to origin, no Stags for Origin, no Katoni Staggs for Origin. No Katoni Staggs till next year. I probably wouldn't even say at the start it would be into next year. Jaden Ockenbore has also suffered a suspected ACL rupture early in Saturday's match against Penrith. Um, that would, again, also put his 2021 st- season in doubt, the start of the season. If that's to be confirmed, there's been no news update on that yet. And we already knew uh, Sean Johnson had done an ACL. He's had surgery on it. Um, He faces a five-month recovery. So being in October now, November, December, January, February, likely that he'll be ready for the start of next year, although ready is not going to be 100%. So don't be surprised to see him eased in next year. Um, But... You never want to have a, a an injury, batters and Achilles rupture, but at least he's now had a bed. He's got his recovery time over the break rather than during the season. So if there's any positive, it's that. Um, and then injuries with regards to the finals. Sunny Bill Williams has flared up a persistent neck injury and has been ruled out for Friday's qualifying final against Penrith. Uh, Nat Butcher comes into the starting 17 after he was on, he was one of the reserves. Uh, Matt Nekuvalu and Jake Friend have been ruled out um, from the reserves. So Nat Butcher into the starting 17 and Sonny Bill Williams out. Now with Tommy Turbo missing state of origin and he was a shoe in even with an injury um, in most people's books for that centre position. Um, who comes in? Now, Katoni Staggs would have been one of the first um, names off most people's mouths, probably closely followed by Stephen Crichton, Campbell Graham and my brother uh, who's been on the show before, Kieran, Jared, myself are all big fans of Jared Croker. I believe he should have had his shot a couple of years ago. He's not as flashy as the other two. Camel uh, Graham's not as flashy as Crichton. And he's the smallest of the three. But he reads the game extremely well. He's an extremely good goal kicker, consistent. He's good defensively. Uh, in, a, in a back line that's not going to be lacking in flair and talent and speed with uh, Ado Carr, uh, James Tedesco, most likely Blake Ferguson. Uh, Jack White and on the other wing. Having a solid defensive option isn't the worst. Think Will Chambers for Queensland uh, when they had their back line of Slater, Inglis, Hodges, uh, etc. Oh, I, I like the fact that his name's in there. I think it'll come down to how they perform in the finals. Uh, Penrith being in a qualifying final, so Stephen Crichton will get two cracks regardless. Whereas Campbell Graham and Jared Croker may only have one game, depending on how their result goes, to further impress. Um, Zach Lomax is also another name that's been thrown out. He hasn't been brought into the New South Wales squad as of yet, uh, due to concerns by Fitler of players leaving the NRL bubble and then coming back into State of Origin 1. doesn't want too many players doing that at one time. So he may be an in inclusion further along. To me, he's a mix of Crichton and Campbell Graham. He's got the size, the lankiness of a Campbell Graham, but he's also explosive when he needs to be. He's very good under the high ball and chasing through on kicks, and he's a goal kicker as well. What a horrible situation for New South Wales to be in. Queensland can't find two centres, and here's four guys minus Katoni Staggs, which would be five, uh, vying for a centre position that last year was played by a fullback. Horrible, horrible position to be in. Uh, my money's on Crichton to get the position, uh, just because of what he offers as an X-factor. Oh, sorry, that like I believe that's where the smart money's going. I would pick Croker. Uh, I just think having a shut down defenseman, a defensive centre, sim- similar in the vein to Josh Morris and how effective he used to be on Greg Inglis uh, would be, he's definitely not going to be a weak link. Um, that, that's kind of, I guess, something to keep an eye on, a three-way shootout through the finals for that vacant centre position for New South Wales. And I think I'll leave it there. Um, what we'll be going into next will be a breakdown of the four games over the weekend, one on Friday, two on Saturday night, one on Sunday afternoon for the start of the 2020 NRL finals campaign. And uh, we'll be back just after this little break. All right. Welcome back to the second half of the show. This half of the show is sponsored by Makona number five classic. The best instant mix coffee to drink at 5am in the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry guys. um, I had a bit of a, Oh. Blackout last night, I went on all night till 3.30 in the morning, and I also made the mistake of leaving all the lights on, switched on, so 3.30 this morning, we got blinded by light. <laughs> Serves you all right for having a blackout. <laughs> we got to, well, look, I live in Gympie, I'm lucky I have electricity, um... So I'm not going to <laughs> notice the delay anymore. of how long it took me to laugh. at. I'm like still <laughs> trying to process things. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it is what it is. We. Um, whew. So but what? Um, to be honest, I'll probably yawn less this time. I yawn all the time in episodes. So what do you and your missus do to pass the time? Board games, wave the candles, mate. Oh, romantic. board games, the candles, 100%. Nothing like Twister in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, board games, body candles. (laughs) What else are you supposed to do in a blackout? Uh, (coughs) It was was actually good. Um, Like, obviously, you know, I have a schedule doing a podcast on Wednesday night, but, yeah, there, there was one point where we just kind of went out, went out, sat on the patio with the candles and hung out, really. Oh, that's so nice. it was, it was It was good that way because, yeah, and, you know, it's kind of shit that I have to make Adam wake up at 5am this morning to, get, to do this, but it was good that way. And for the other people, for, for the people out there going,
0: oh, it's only 5am, I get it, it's not that early. But Uh, I'm fine. Up at that time when I work, or depending on whatever time the kids wake me up. So that on holidays, I'm just like, oh, yeah, if I can sleep until six, that hour makes a difference. (laughs) Anyway, um, this part of the show should hopefully be a bit more uh, enjoyable than me talking and having to drink to break it up like the first half. Anyway, week one NRL finals 2020, four games. Friday night, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. So what we're going to do is kind of break down each game, basic stats, and then have a look at ways that we think each team can get an advantage over the other team and basically look at how each team can win the game. So we're going to try and make a case for each team um, in each match and what they need to do to win. Easier for some than others. So, Friday night, or tonight now, 7.50, the first qualifying final. Penrith Panthers who finished first versus Sydney Roosters who finished fourth. Um, The winner of this one gets a week off. The loser will face the winner of Canberra and Cronulla. Uh, next week now before we get into everything two stats that get brought up every year no team outside the top four has won the NRL grand final since the system came into play and no team has won the competition after conceding 50 or more in a season now that's kind of interesting considering Roosters are still one of the top three favourites this year but obviously they lost 60 to eight to the Rabbitohs in the last round of the season. So interesting. Um, their only match against each other this year, Penrith and Roosters was Penrith's 20 to 14 win in round one. That I remember everyone laughing off because Roosters had come back from World Club Challenge, first round of the season, yada, yada, yada. Doesn't really mean anything. Um and Penrith are coming in on the back of 15 straight wins.
1: So <clears throat> Penrith are uh, actual favorites in this game. Yeah. Dollar 71 over 215. So they run on the field with Dylan Edwards at the back with Brian Toto and Josh Vansor, Brent Naden. Stephen Crichton in the centers with Jerome Lui and Nathan Clear in the halves. they so got Isaiah Yo, Liam Martin, kick-out, James Fisher Harris, Apasau Korosau, and James Tarmo up front with Tyro May, Kirk Capel, Moses Lyota, Zane Tedavano, with Mitch Kenny and Sventer Lenny Lenou rounding out their ninth, uh, top 19. So with that, um, I just think that the biggest, well, not advantage, but the biggest thing that not many people give Pembroke as much credit for is their bench. So, they've got Tyrone May, who can play anywhere in the back line, hooker and lock. Kirk Capewell, well, if you listen to this podcast before, we've gone over him a lot, just because of the fact that he's one of the really underrated players in the NRL, and with Queensland Origin this year, I wouldn't be surprised if you got a run for them because he's been playing oh, he really well. Yeah, he will. Um, Moses Leota is a he's a short, well built guy up front, and then you got Zane Tedovano. So Zane Tedovano, not many people know, he came from the Roosters, and everyone expected him to start for them for the um, Penrith, but he's come off the bench and he's Provided that much impact for them off the bench, it's been really good. So I think that's that's their biggest like plus because in the Ford all over the field you see that Pembroke player on player. you pick a lot of Roosters player ahead of them, but yeah. their bench kind of stacks up a little bit more. And then for the Roosters, you got this superstar backline, James Tedesco. Brett Morris, Daniel Tupo, Josh Morris, Joseph Manu, Luke Keary, Kyle Flanagan, with Takiyaho, Darcy Lussick, because Friend has succumbed. Freddie to Lussick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Darcy Lussick's not playing. Darcy booker.
0: Lussick's broke and <laughs> stuck in the UK.
1: Yeah. Uh, Freddie Lussick. Is he his little brother? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Jake Friend has obviously come, come could. But he's had protocols, a so he's yeah, yeah, not in the squad. Succumbed, succumbed, And Jared rear We have Lach- Lachlan Lamb, Lindsay Collins, Angus Crine, and Nat Butcher. You've got Mitchell Orbison and faber So the big out, two big out. I've outs also got the a roosters. back row. Oh, two Panua Cordner and Leo, shut up. Um, the big out for the Roosters is obviously Sonny Bill and Jake Friend. Yep coming out, but they're replacing him with Nat Butcher, so yes. that's not too bad. So, um, with, with this team, what, what more can you say? Roosters are just roosters. They've got a superstar team. No matter where you look, um, the fact that they could bring someone quality of Nat Butcher in to replace Sonny Bill is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> looking at these lists from last week's so Penrith begins uh, kick out Edwards and Crichton, and they were all rested last week. No outs for Penrith to speak of. Um, and for the Roosters, Brett Morris, Manu, Isaac Liu, and Lindsay Collins come in. Um, and Jake Friend is an out. And I, I wrote down Nat Butcher as being an out as well before Sunnyville's injury because I felt he was pretty hard done by not getting a spot in the 17 uh, when everyone's healthy. So then I had to find a spot. Who would I have taken out of that team? And it would have been, um, it's pretty hard to find because they've got an odd makeup on their bench um, as, it, as it stood. Uh, you've got a backup hooker, basically, uh, in Lachlan Lamb. Lindsay Collins is a prop. Then you had Angus Crichton and Sonny Bill Williams. So, two, either edge or. <clears throat> lock or two back rowers so I was like who would I end up taking out to put Butcher in and it was going to be Sonny Bill or Satili Torpenua which would be rough on Torpenua but
1: that's a big call
0: it is but I think they can cover him with Crichton um, and still find a spot for Nat Butcher because he to me he (laughs) brings more of an all round game um, that you can need in finals you don't know how these games are going to go yeah. Slide him on the um, edge, Slide him a prop if you needed to because of the way that he runs the ball.
1: I, I'm really looking forward to the battle of the forward packs because you've got, you know, Tamo versus Takiaho, kind of the same players. And you've got the five brands and Raria um, Hargraves versus Fisher Harris. That's going to be epic. You know, the old dog coming up against the new dog. And then... That's, yeah. Yeah, and you got the consistency of Cordner with the all that flair kick out. So that'd be, be just—that's gonna amazing. be amazing. Yeah, and oh. then yeah, I mean, there's so many good matchups in this game. Like Tupanur and Martin, both power runners. It's just, and then you know Isaac Liu and Isaac Yo. That it's a mirrored forward pack when you yeah. think about it. You, the only thing is that. Corusau, you think Corusau is the game changer for him because, well, he's so creative and different out of hooker that even even if Friend was playing, I'd think he'd be above that just because yeah. of the fact that Friend's not creative. He's more of a... He's a solid passer. He's a, he makes 60 tackles, but he doesn't have the speed or the creativity out of, of dummy up. So it's going to be... Um, I think that's where Penrith can win through the creativity out of chorus Yeah, that was a, uh,
0: <coughs> yeah, that's a question mark I had on uh, the Roosters, which I'll get to um, as well on the Penrith may car, No, no, I still, I still prefer Isaiah Yo on an edge, not as a lock. Um, uh, hmm. So, I'd I'd switch Fisher Harris from prop to lock, and bring Leota off the bench to start a prop. Um, and move Vio to second row and have Lee and Martin coming off the bench. That's how I'd change things up there. Um, yeah, but it's not much of a change. But I just think. When you look at Fisher Harris this year, his best games are at lock, whereas he still has good games at prop. But I think in the finals you want your players having their best games, um, and I think Fisher Harris adds more overall to Penrith than Martin does. Not saying Martin's a bad player; he's been really good this year. Uh, he's oh, a, he's looking
1: at New South, a, South Wales spot.
0: Yeah, he's an Origin belter. So like I said you're not missing much, but that's just more how I look at um, how I, how I look at a team's put together. So, breaking down what they've done this year, Penrith come... Oh, sorry. And on Tamo, you mentioned, he owns a fascinating stat, which kind of took me by surprise. He said there was no conversations had between Penrith or himself about, you know, you're not going to get a contract next year, rada, rada, rada. He just played his football and he said he'd made a contract to himself to try and keep up with the young guys. He finished the season as the game's most efficient prop with regards to meters per minute played in in games, which I found surprising.
1: Surprising.
0: Yeah, he didn't didn't average the most meters per game, but that was only based on the fact he was playing forty three minutes a game. But he was averaging three point four meters or three point four three meters per minute, making him the most efficient prop. On the field in the whole NRL Um, his post contact meters were the biggest since 2011 um, which is a big jump for a prophet 32 years of age to have literally almost 10 years later so he's kind of been understated this year with with the likes of the flair of Kikau and uh, Martin's improvement etc etc but he's really been good for Penrith so Penrith coming in with 17 wins. Roosters with 14. Now, this is interesting. Points that they've scored as a team this year, Penrith have scored 495 um, at an average of 26 points a game. Whereas the Roosters, in three less wins, have scored 544 at an average of 28 points a game. So you've got two high-scoring offences. Penrith have led in 238 points. Roosters have led in 262. So an average of 12 and 13. So if you look at that, Penrith's average score for the season is 26-12. And Rooster's average score is 28-13. So pretty damn even. Like literally a three-point differential between four and against, um, looking at uh, their overall seasons. Um. So what we did was look back. I went back through the season, had a look at which games gave each team the most trouble. And I looked back on round 11 when Penrith versus the Titans, and they beat them 22-14. It was pretty hard to get a read on this game because two of the Titans' tries came from drop ball and a kick. But one thing that was pretty evident, and then... I use that same thing looking at round nine, where they smashed the shots 56-24, but they did let in 24 points, which is double what they usually let in. When they defend out wide, and I agree with Jared, I think the forward packs are pretty much locked down. That it's pretty hard to score between any forward pack on this in this match. But when they come up and defend because they do have a lot of youngsters in the back line, Nate and Crichton, 2-0, Dylan Edwards, and the halves, they do employ the all-up um, play that your Manly and your Melbourne kind of brought in the 8 7 that sort of thing, up and jamming in. But the difference these guys do is the wingers come up as well which is not what you usually see. So it opens up a lot of space to kick in behind. The Titans tried it a couple of times and got repeat sets. Um, But with the likes of Flanagan and Keary, if they can take the ball all the way to the line and engage them, a kick in behind a Tupou or Morris, I think is going to be a way to really unlock this back line. And the advantage with Tupou is it doesn't have to be a grubber. You can put that up as a chip kick, that crossfield chip that we know Kiri's is really good at. So, that's probably the most evident thing that stood out when looking at how Penrith defends. Because in the middle they just lock things down. Fisher Harris, Corisau, Tamo. Um, it's pretty hard to score in through there. And then even on the edges, Kikau and Yao's, Aio's position is pretty good. So, that's one thing that I saw. And They kind of, they up and stop. They don't continue to come up and they don't come up and then drop back. They come up and kind of stop and flat foot themselves and then kind of shift sideways. So it's pretty hard to turn and run if you're moving laterally. Um, And then looking at roosters, so looking at their 60 to eight flogging, by the Rabbitohs, it's kind of hard to get a real indication there because it's such an outlier of what you're used to seeing, but it's almost the same thing with Penrith. And like Jared said, they're they're mirror image teams and you can see in the stats. The one way I think Penrith will get the advantage is with regards to dummy half, but maybe not so much the creativity, but the service. So, Friend is very good at getting the ball out on both sides, very quick, very accurately. Um, and that's what he does in his team. He doesn't have to be creative because they've got so many players. He just needs to get the ball to them as quickly and efficiently as possible. And that's what he does. Can Freddie Lussick and Lockie Lamb do that over 80 minutes? Maybe. That's where I'd be putting the pressure on with Penrith. If I want to beat the Roosters, I'm trying to shut down their hookers as much as possible. Worse service from them gives Kiri Flanagan less time and less. Uh, let's just say the ball's not going to be on a platter like it usually is.
1: Whew. Okay. For I agree with all that completely. I love the yes. stat that you brought up with. Um, well, not stat the. Observation of what Pembroke, um, what, what their weakness is. Um, I, I actually never noticed that with them. I actually thought in this game that you did touch on it, their biggest um, drawback will be their inexperience against this battle hand at heart and especially um, their back line. I just think their back line with the Morris Twins, Mano, Tedesco, Tupou. So, so much quality there. Um, and as I said, battle-hearted, like players who've been there, played for Australia, played for New South Wales, done all that, won everything you could possibly imagine. I just think that, yes, this Pembroke back line is going to be very explosive, but the experience of it right there, like, Crichton's going up probably up against his biggest adversary in Morris. Crichton's a talented young player, but if he comes up against Morris or Manu...
0: Yeah, they said he's going to take Manu.
1: Yeah, so even Manu, like, I think he might get a lesson in this positioning. I think Manu will position himself really well tonight to stop Crichton. Um and You'd imagine cry, they're gonna
0: put the ball up higher to Tufo against Mansoor.
1: 100 percent He can stand he can stand up and he that's higher than Mansoul can jump. Um <laughs> all right, okay. Are you tipping anyone specifically in this game? I still
0: am. Um just so sort of when you're saying the experience there, I I what I see happening is the first 20 minutes when they feel each other out, etc. Every time Roosters get an attacking set. I can see Keery and Flanagan taking the ball to the line, seeing what the defense is doing, and then just putting it in behind, whether it's just for forced dropouts, whatever. Get Penrith and oh, crap, if we come up too much, they're going to kick him behind. And then I reckon you'll start to see them not come up as much, and they'll start to backpedal, and that's the- then they'll okay. put it through their hands. Um, I've got Roosters winning
1: 19-18. Okay, you, you pick Roosters.
0: Oh, I just heard footsteps upstairs.
1: Um, I'm I'm actually gonna go Bruce's to show Penrith a lesson this game. I honestly I honestly think that last week was a fluke. They and the well with, I, with Bruce's loss. I just think they just Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what happened. But people rule them out are silly. And people thinking just because they lost by 50 points doesn't mean they're going to win the Grand Final. That's silly. Um, I rate this team and the Melbourne team that high right now. That And it's nothing against Pembroke. They played well. I just don't. I just think next year they'll be really good. I just think next, this year they're not ready for what the professionalism the Roosters are going to bring this game. And we didn't even touch on how good Kiri is. Like, Cleary has been playing well, but he hasn't proved himself in big games. Kiri has. He didn't so... Origin last year. He didn't? He didn't have,
0: okay. to, do much. He didn't have to. Yeah, all right. I see what you're saying.
1: He hasn't done anything in Origin, and he didn't even win the last game last year. He lost one. Yeah. So, with the better Ford pack New South Wales had, clearly lost it as a halfback. Um, so, yeah, I think Roosters are going to put on a show this game. But, yeah, that's my tip. So, I reckon at least 18, 16, 16 plus, I reckon this game. Which, which, you think that's not big, but in finals for first versus four, it? Yeah, it's massive. So, and
0: yeah, when Jarrett saw 60 to 8, no, maybe not so much as a, as a fluke, but an outlier. And, and things like this, because South Sydney played really well. But a, a great example of that is the differential between the 07 grand final and the 08 grand final. Melbourne beating Manly 34 8, something like that. I don't like to think about it, um, in 07. And then Manly beating Melbourne 40 0. And you're like, I, was that score correct? Yeah. Did you get that one right? <laughs> I did not. I wanted to see by a golden point or something like that. But, um, <laughs> nah, yeah, you Aaron would have loved that in but... Oh, hello. You want to come and have a look? We're recording. Daddy. Hello. You want to jump up here? We're actually recording, buddy. This is my son, Atticus. Hey, buddy. He just woke up. Who's that? Can you see Uncle Jared? Yeah. No, I've got to keep the headphones on. Daddy's actually recording his show. What are we doing today? Fishing. We going fishing. Is Mum up yet? You wave to everybody and go go wake Mummy up. Okay, go on.
1: <laughs>
0: Daddy's got to do his work, buddy. No. Right, you sit back there. Um, that's the danger of doing this at five a.m. So, <laughs> all right. uh, we both got. Bruce is winning that. Then at Saturday at five forty, we have
1: game two. Ooh, oh, this game I'm worried about. Okay, so for this game, you got Canberra versus Cronulla. The odds are Canberra dollar fifteen, $1.15. Five dollars fifty, according to sports bet. That's a massive thing in the finals. But when you hear the teams, you understand why. So, and we won't even go to ins and outs because Canberra put in like seven, dropped seven players just to a run around last week.
0: There is a big in for the Sharks, though. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> for Pembroke, uh, Canberra, sorry, looks like they're full strength for Charles Nickel. Uh, sorry, Charles Nickel clocks that a back Nick Kotrick, Sammy Valemi, Jared Croker and Jordan Rapata in the centres, Jack Wyden and George Williams in the halves with Dunamis Louie, Tom Starling. He's been playing really well this year. Josh Papali, Elliot Whitehead, John Bateman, Joseph Tarpani. with Savili Havili, Sevilli Havili, yeah. Soliola comes back in, which I love. He's great. Hudson Young and Corey Harianara with Sam Williams, Kyle O'Donnell, Michael Alford, and Tomoko around the bench. And then you got four Cronella, Will Kennedy, Mulatalo, Katawa, Josh Dugan, and Jesse Ramey in the setters. So that's probably the, the strongest back five. Mm-hmm. You got Connor Tracy, and their big in is Chad Townsend. So he'll, he'll, he'll be massive for them. Yeah. Um, really good. And Connor Tracy has been playing pretty well this year. I wouldn't be surprised if someone else picked him up for 5-8, especially Johnson Townsend locking in the halves. And then up front, you've got Aaron Woods, Blake Braley, Hanlon Ueli, Wade Graham, Nicora, and Toby Rudolph in the back. And then you've got CS Sofa Talakai, who you could only have that back row to put him on the bench because he's been one of their best players all year.
0: Yeah, I, I don't get how he's on the bench.
1: Scott Sorensen, uh, Andrew Fafida, and Jack Williams, Teague Wilton, Brandon Trinder, Moses Horeiti, and Bronx Goodwin. Sorry? <laughs> Excuse me. So, <laughs> yes, Adam's Adams, um, surprised Talakai is there, not there. I actually think bringing him off the bench is a good option because Graham and Nicora they haven't been bad. Like, Graham's, there. I know,
0: I'd leave both of them
1: there. Well, you reckon Toby Rudolph? No. Who? Woods?
0: I just blame it, prop, yeah. <laughs> I was watching, uh. doing the breakdowns of these. I watched... Oh. Who was it? What game was it? I wasn't watching for the sharks specifically. It might have been for one of the other ones when they were versing the sharks. It might have been the game against um, Penru. He's freaking horrible. Like defensively through the ruck, Woods. He's oh. so slow.
1: Yeah, he through the ruck. He, and if you've got a just... quick dummy half, you know you, you'd come up against him um, as the a defender. You just dummy run if you got past a Marcus every single time. Damn. He's yeah, he's
0: he, he got beaten so badly in one game that he ran back to try and um get back in the play and just pushed over the guy going into dummy half and then got sin in for it. I was just like, way to compound
1: your mistake, idiot?" Just so everyone knows, Adams always had a thing against Aaron Woods as well. <laughs> He's just so <laughs> lazy.
0: He never takes any runs outside. You watch. He won't take one hit up inside his own twenty meters.
1: Sounds like buff.
0: So imagine him in his prime. Would he be getting to the New South Wales Origin team as it is now?
1: hundred oh, percent no. Not with the front rows we got now.
0: That's what I mean. He's just
1: Gross. Okay, so for this game. Oh, so Adam's going to go more of an analysis. I was going to say, the winner
0: plays the loser of Penrith versus Roosters. The loser is out. It's
1: the first elimination yeah. final. So I, I I, don't see Raiders losing this. I really don't. Um, Raiders, as I said, they're back to full strength. Um, Miner's probably missing a centre. I don't, yeah. I don't see Rapana as a genuine no. centre. That's probably their, and that's probably where they're weakest defensively. Um, because you got... Probably, probably on both wings, they're probably weakest defensively because you've know, you got Kotrick probably going to have to look after Rapana defensively.
0: So I'd switch those two. It's the only switch to their team I'd make. I'd play Kotrick in the centre and yeah. Rapana yeah. on the wing. Because Curtis Scott's got the one that's missing.
1: Who? Curtis Scott. A- oh, he went to Melbourne, so. What? Um, and then he got Croker and Vellemi. He went to Melbourne. Oh, Curtis Scott. No, no, he came from Melbourne. Yeah. yeah don't worry about he's, he's got a broken leg, so. Yeah. He would be um, the centre. Croker um, and. Um, that Yeah, you, know, you got Croker holding down that defensively anyway, but. There, where I see the two weaknesses for Canberra. They're pretty strong everywhere else. Mm. Um, they've got attacking threats everywhere. You know, you've got George Williams and Jack Wyden, both really strong defense, uh, attacking. But then when they can't do anything, all they have to do is give it to Bateman and Whitehead. And then you've got Charles Lickle clockstead running through the middle. So they're very, very strong in a lot of places. Um, the best thing you can say about Raiders the last couple of years is their recruitment has been amazing. Mm. The team they've put together is just like, they found a lot of players from outside of Australia. So they've got a lot of key, like Klotstead's from New Zealand, Cook Islander as well. They got Obviously they've got a lot of Poms. And um, Canberra actually known for that because when they were strong in the early 90s, they actually picked up a lot of players from New Zealand and the Islanders just to because their, their recruitment had to think outside the box because no one wanted to go to Canberra. So they had to yeah, find other players who did wanted Sydney to play. come to Canberra, yeah, no one's doing that. So Canberra's always had to do that. And when they're strong, they bring in a lot of players from overseas to. Um, cover where they're weak. So it's, it's good. I like it. Yeah, I. this is probably
0: the game I looked into the least because I saw it one-sided. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Um, one thing that stood out, and I think this speaks volumes. They played once this year, which was last week. Um, <laughs> Canberra won 38-28. They rested 12 of their first players against Cronulla's best team that they could put out there. So they beat a second-string Raiders side, beat a first-string Sharks side by 10 points, um, and they put 38 points on them. The only in for the Sharks is Townsend. Is he, A, going to be able to cover a 10-point swing? And B be able to stop thirty eight points? I don't think so. And also, this is still this still astounds me. Sharks have made the finals without beating a top eight side this year. That's crazy. Not not just the other seventeen um, right now, but any time through the year when they verse someone who was in the top eight, they lost. Uh, yeah,
1: I, yeah. That, that I, I, to that, me
0: says everything.
1: I. I... For all the Cronulla fans out there, you've had... Um, well, see, the thing about it is a lot of people are commending John Morris because he's the lowest-paid coach in the NRL. Yeah. And he's made the finals. But if you look at their team, you got Wade Graham, Aaron Wood, Sean Johnson, Chad Townsend, and... Uh, well, Matt Moylan, if he's ever fit. But Will Kennedy's been doing a pretty good job. You've got Josh Dugan, Jesse Ramian, the um, They've dead. got about seven... Well, they've got about seven back rowers all below the age of 25 who are future origin Australian players, I reckon, like Scott Sorensen. Probably not the because he's a Kiwi. But um, Teague Wilton, Billy McGullers, all these players that are you know, really solid players. Toby Rudolph. So, they've got such a good team. So, yes, good effort for John Morris for getting them there, but... And I didn't even mention Andrew Fafita, um, who's been, I will say, horrible this year, but he's still got the resume there. Um, But good on him for getting there, but fuck me, they should be doing better for the team they've got. (laughs) Like, they've got... When, when you think about it, they've got one of the most balanced halves, comp, halves combinations in the competition. You've got Chad and organise everything, put them in the right position. And then you go, here, Sean Johnson, do something play. brilliant. Like, they've got... So, and then, oh, oh
0: they should they be had doing to make. They had to make more of the games where they had those two together. Oh. It hasn't we, happened much over the last five, six weeks, but before then... Well, it is. I, we, we, birthday,
1: we commended Canberra's recruitment, which <laughs> they've been really good. But you look at Cronulla's recruitment, yeah, they've got players with impressive rad- resumes, but they've got a lot of players who are, you know, got dodgy hamstrings. They've tied up mm. a lot of players who are constantly injured, like Josh Dugan, Matt Moylan, Sean Johnson. Wade Graham, that's probably their top four players and they're, you know, all their best consistent
0: players they've brought through the system.
1: Yeah, and it's just so, yes, their recruitment's getting these good players out. It's just because no other club wants these boys it's because they're going to spend more time on the bloody sideline. It's not, it's not wrong, is it? <laughs> no, it's not wrong. I love Paul Kent. Right? <laughs> um,
0: this will be, uh, after all that, Let's have a look at the the wins. I'm oh, sorry for the Sharks lineup. Um, <clears throat> I'd be starting Braden Trindle in the halves over Connor Tracy. I think he. Had, I would not. <clears throat> I think he adds more X factor. Well, not X factor. I just think he has creativity, more points, less mistakes in him. Um. Fafida, you're probably gonna get 15 minutes out of, so it may
1: just be the first. He may as well be the
0: first, 15. You gotta get him into the game somehow. So I'd be starting him and just get his 15 minutes over and done with and let him fire up against Papali or something and then
1: Papali's gonna eat him alive.
0: Yeah, I know, but at least that might wake him (laughs) up a little bit. I don't know. Like just watching him when he comes off the bench, the first five minutes he's out there, he's just kind of running around like. You know, if, you, if you've ever been to a dog park and some, someone's brought one of those... The fling, oh, anyway, doesn't even need that. Someone's throwing a ball, fetch, and there's, like, four dogs chasing it. And then there's one dog after, like, three fetches who's 10 metres behind the rest and is just plodding along, just participating, but can't actually do anything. He's, like, so, as soon as he comes onto the field. He's, like, the dog that's 10 metres behind everyone else. See, the thing that annoys me about it is... He... That's the weirdest metaphor I've ever
1: used. Yeah, that's, oh. I don't even, I, I think that's a tad on the nose as well. Um, makes sense, though. <laughs> Andrew Fafita. The thing about him is, and I said it earlier in the year, and this is the part that annoys me about him most, he can be just as damaging as Fafita on his day. Fafita can, as Fafita. Oh, no, no, sorry, as Tumalolo. <laughs> as Tumalolo. He can be just as damaging as Tumalolo on his day. He, he can win you a game. He's yeah. done it. He did it for New South Wales. He's done it for Australia. He did it in the grand final against so Melbourne. That's the, la- that's the last game he did it in. Yeah, and the that's the thing. He, he's so damn inconsistent, which he's got he's, he, he's to either go to another club and have someone like Bellamy or Bennett or Robinson get under him and make sure he's playing to his level every single week, like consistent, because he seems to get a pretty free run. Can you imagine what um, he would
0: look like after a preseason at the Storm?
1: I don't think... For, I, don't, I honestly don't think Bellamy would waste his time with him. I know. Can well, you just imagine what he'd look like? Yeah. Well, you can, you can imagine how good he'd be. be Remember you, what he did to... Um, old mate from the Bulldogs. Cassiano. Yeah. I consider that one of his failures. Yeah, he lost a lot of weight, but he only played like four or five games for him. Yeah, but he was... A- enough. That's why he went to Super League, didn't he? Yeah, no, but that's the thing, like Craig I honestly don't think Craig Bellamy would waste his time on him. Especially the no. time if you remember a couple of years ago when and this is unconfirmed that um, who was it, Jim Dimmick had a goal to him half time and oh, then he yeah. scored a try, pointed that in and then abused the shit out of him because Jim Dimmick told he wasn't playing well enough. That's good. Imagine you did that to Bellamy. Imagine what would happen if you, like... Bellamy you know? would be like... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. Bellamy would be... Because they reckon he's, he's worse when he's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> because I, they reckon they're more scared of him if he's quiet. That means he's just disappointed and you're fucked. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Um, I, I, was I, just, looking at, yeah. I was looking at...
0: So, Raiders had 13 wins this year. Cronella had 10. You know Cronella averaged more points per game than Canberra?
1: Yeah, because it's Sean Johnson, and guess who's not playing? I
0: know, I know. <laughs> by, by a margin too. So Canberra had a combined total of four hundred and seven points this season. Sharks had four hundred and fifty-two. So at an average of twenty-one points a game for Canberra, twenty-three points a game for Cronulla. This is where
1: it—it's
0: uh, this is the big difference. Cronulla let in four hundred and forty-two points. Canberra let in two hundred and eighty-nine. The average there is 15 points a game for Canberra 23 points a game for Cronulla So Cronulla's average Score is a 23-all draw And Canberra's Average score is 21-15 They would win So for all the points Cronulla are scoring, they're letting in exactly The same amount Um, Well, it's a 10-point Swing over the whole season, so do we see a game, So, if you split them down the middle, that'd say something like Canberra winning 22-16?
1: i see it a lot higher so, than this. I don't think I so. Think, I think not only are Cronulla going in limping, they're on, a, they're, they're on, you know, they've got knee braces everywhere and they've got ice on their hamstrings walking into the game. So I think this game could blow out a, a lot in Canberra's favour. Um, I don't think it's going to be the same level as Broncos bowing out last year, but I think it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, I've
0: got Canberra scoring 30-plus and Cronulla getting around the 12-14 mark. What I found interesting, win percentage at GIO Stadium. um, They both have a win percentage of 59% in Canberra. Uh, okay. Sharks, have, Sharks have won six of their last seven in Canberra, uh, which is interesting. But I think we've both got Raiders in that one. Um, all right, second game on Saturday is a second is going to be qualifying huge. final. So Melbourne are a dollar eighteen favourites over Parramatta at five dollars. So this is at seven fifty. Uh, the winner of this one, is elimination fi- uh, sorry, as a qualifying final, get a week off. And the loser plays the winner of Knights versus the Rabbitohs.
1: Okay, uh, so at the back for Melbourne, you've got Pappenhausen, probably <coughs> the pocket rocket of the year. Then you've got Ado Khan, Bronco Branko Lee and Justin Olum, Cam Munster and Jerome Hughes with Christian Welch, Cameron Smith, Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, Felice Cafusi and Nelson Asafa Salmona. So I've changed their forward pack around a bit. So, they've got a lot of size in their starting front row. Starting four-pack, Yeah, sorry.
0: this is where... Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: And then you got Brandon Smith, Fasamulali, Matt Eisenhoof, Tom Eisenhoof, sorry, and Nico Hines with Darren Shonig, L- Lumi Lumi, Albert Verte, and Riley Jacks. So, I don't imagine any of those people come in for para. you got Clint Gufferson... Blake Ferguson, Mike Acevo, Michael Jennings, Wonga Blake, Dylan Brown comes back. That's a big in from him. Um, a lot of people didn't were thinking that he would be lucky to get back in round two of the finals. So he's recovered quite well. I just hope they're not putting him in too early. Then you've got Mitch Moses, mm-hmm. then you got Junior Paulo, Reed Marnie, Campbell Gillard, Ryan Madison, Sean Lane, and Nathan Brown at lock. On their bench, you've got Will Smith, Andrew Davey, Kate Evans. Nicore, with Ray Stone, Takaragi, Oregon Kafusi, and Daniel Alvira. Um, for this, I don't see Para matching anywhere. To be honest, they've got it. Um, if you look at body type of the bench on um, Melbourne. They look quite small because you've got Brandon Smith and Nico Hines. But as mm. everyone knows, you wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one of the front rowers in the Melbourne squad got dropped on the bench and Brandon Smith started in the front row because he can play that. Yeah. So, um, I see Melbourne win this a fair amount, um, by a fair amount. It'd be interesting what power going to bring because um, I think they've won 15 of... 20 this year, something like that, 40. and 14 to 20. So I only lost six games all year, but I just look at the last six, six games or so, and, and I keep saying it, I've said it of times this year, for such an attacking team, because if you look at their team, it's just 100% attack all across the field. There's no real workers other than probably Nathan Brown. They're all just attacking players everywhere in their very positions. Um, they've been kept to nil three times in the last three hundred days, which is a massive thing for such a team like that. Like that is that is, I reckon the biggest stat in this year. I think that's huge for the Parramatta team they've got, and for how they're blowing teams off the park. They have got some very defensive, bad, defensively bad days. But I've also got some attacking bad days because when Brad Arthur Matt, put this team together, he thought we're going to be able to score 30 points per game. No. And they should with the team they've got. They should score that many points. They didn't even come close. Oh, but that's my point. Like, no. we with, with the team they've got, if you looked at that team from an outside perspective, you'd think, holy shit, how many points are these guys scoring? They had one of the lowest average points per game. Yeah. Uh, they had the
0: lowest, actually, out of anyone in the top eight, which is so surprising. Um, so these guys have only played once this year. It was a 14-0 victory to Parramatta uh, in round 15. Melbourne had a strong side, but... They rested both their halves. So it was Cooper Johns and Riley Jacks and no, Karen, no Cameron Smith, whereas Parramatta were at full strength.
1: Um, and they can only score four points.
0: And the big difference in that game, when looking through all the stats, they're pretty even. The only real big difference was Melbourne gave way eight penalties, Parramatta gave way one. That was pretty much the only big glaring difference out of the whole game when you look at the stats. So it wasn't even like they dominated the game. Um, Talking about <clears throat> their scoring differential, so Melbourne have won 16 of 20, para won 14 of 20. This is a huge difference. And this is not something you usually put down to Melbourne, but they scored 512 points this year at an average of 26 points a game. Parramatta scored 364 at an average of 19 points a game. For a team like that oh, yeah. with an average of 19 points scored, Um, is not good enough. Their defence for both sides throughout the whole year has been really good. So Melbourne, 246 points lead in. Parramatta, 264. So that's an average of 12 and 13 ahead. So an average score there, Parramatta are winning 19-13 in their games and Melbourne are winning 26-12 in their games. But the big difference for Parramatta over the last five weeks, it's around 16 to 20. Their defense was averaging twenty-two and a half points a game, as opposed to thirteen for their season average. And that, the five teams that sorry. they versed. So that's all right. Two of the team. Well, these are the last five teams they versed: Rabbitohs, thirty-eight-nil loss; Warriors, twenty-two eighteen win. Then Broncos, Penrith, and West. So, out of those five, uh, two of them are finals teams. One's the Wooden Spoon, and one was in all the COVID dramas and the Warriors, and they were letting in pretty much 23 points a game um, over the last five uh, games, which is not good. To add on to that, uh, as this is a Melbourne home game, but they're not allowed in Melbourne, this game is played at Suncorp Stadium, where Melbourne have a winning percentage of 83%, and Parramatta have a winning percentage of 44%. So everything so far is pointing towards a Melbourne victory. Um the only I guess out well the only I guess negative for Melbourne so far is that Dale Finucane is not back. Um and Tui Kamakamika is not there, which is why their bench looks so small. And which
1: it's not that small to be to be honest. Fabasuli <laughs> and who's the other way? Um that's it. <sighs> who's their who's at the fifteen?
0: Tom Eisenhoof.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. See, it's it's really cool when you look at these teams. So, as you said, Parramatta have been defensively, when you think about it, stronger than they have been in attack, mm. which is actually impressive when you look at the team. Like, you look at Michael Jennings, he's definitely not known as defensive center. Like, he's, no. he's got better when he's got off So, it's, it's really good that they're quite strong defensively. And if they got their attack right, they'd probably be one of the favorites for the premiership because they'd be just brilliant. Like they were um, at the start of the year. Yeah. So, that that's the difference. Like, Adam, as Adam said, the last five games hit the nail on the head. Like, what do you say, 22 points per game on average. Yeah.
0: Um, look and see what they're what their points for averages over those five games
1: and then but then you look at Melbourne team so um Melbourne for the last what the strongest team for the last what 20 years 15 15 years 15 yeah so you'd say them them Manly and Roosters have been the best teams in that period um It's so interesting because if you look at the Melbourne teams over that period that Craig Bellamy's put out, um, this team is so different from that. So, you know, you look at it, you got Billy Slater's probably... A, right, Ryan Pappas has a copy of Billy Slater in this younger. Um, but then you look at Justin Olam and um, Branko Lee. So, you know, when... Melbourne were unbeatable. They had big, tall, rangy centers and Inglis and, you know, Israel Folau, Will Chambers, all those kind of players. These two are built low to the ground, power runners, shoot out of the line and smack the shit out of you, especially old. He's always had the big, tall um, wingers. And, oh, no.
0: I was going to say they've had the big centers and the small wingers. Like, you think of yeah. Steve Turner, but then
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Anthony Quinn... Yeah, okay, yeah. But then you look at their halves, obviously, Cam Munster and is, well, they're both runners, whereas Cooper Cronk was an organizing half, and then whoever ran. But then you look at their foreback, pack, and this is the big difference. So for their forward pack, they're famous for having workers in their forward pack. So like Michael Crocker, um, Matt Cross, all those really. Working players. Dale fanuka is probably the biggest one in their starting thirteen who's like that. But now they've got power runners, offloaders, stuff like that. You got because I reckon Craig Bellamy's gone. Okay, we don't have Cooper Crock anymore. He organised. He put people in holes. Now we need players who've got to create through the middle, so we can get those holes to make Papa and them run. Because he never he never really had those players. like Ryan Hoffman. He's not going to be a player. He's going to run a good hole for you, but he's not going to be doing the one-stepping and offloading and all that kind of stuff. So Craig adap- yeah adapted to what the NRL needs right now because he's got Nelson and Sophie Solomona. Famasui, they can run those hard lines, but they can also, you know, step, offload, create yeah. nothing out of something. Something out of nothing, sorry. No, I keep saying that. Said i said it like can, four times. Again. I can create nothing out of something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's that's just, why I played C grade. <laughs> and you know what? It's it's really good for Bellamy that he's identified that and gone. This is what we need to do, and because of that, Melbourne has stayed relevant in their period. Like they've stayed strong throughout, the, and that's why because Bellamy has adapted. It's so. It everyone's like, oh, and yeah, Melbourne are strong it must be. They're playing the same as they usually play, which is true. They play a. Um, you know, a very when they're, a very structured child of football, but they've got those players who are going to make holes in the defence, which is so different than what they I love it. The players they brought in, like especially a sophomore Solomona, he can do everything for, for such a big man. He's is is comp- so good.
0: This is completely random, Do you see what Harry Grant said at the West Tigers yeah awards dinner. Woo!
1: Yeah. Be cool. Well, you can't blame him because he's not going to be playing next
0: year. No, I know, but I love how he just says it at an awards dinner in front of like 300 people. Yeah. And anyway, um, so I was, a couple of things to touch on before we, before we get to breaking down the game. Um, looking at the bench. Now, this is what I've got in my head. I, I'm looking at Melbourne's bench. You've got a hooker slash lock in Brandon Smith, who has played prop. You've got Tino Fasamawali, who's an edge.
1: No, he's a... Let's put him anywhere in the forward pack and let him course, have Yeah.
0: Tom <laughs> Eisen, who's listed as a centre, but he plays second row this year. And then you've got Nico Hines, who's a big body, but he's generally a fullback, centre wing 5'8". Uh, now, how I see this is going is um, Nelson Asofa solomona will be the first forward to have a rest. Um, he'll come off and Tino or Brendan Smith will go on. And then when Sofa Solomone comes back on, he'll go in at prop. And that's when Bromwich um, will have his rest. I wouldn't be surprised to see Welch play the 80 or Bromwich play the 80. But I, I would say that once Sofa Solomone comes off, that'll be the rotation. Those three is prop. Or like it, I said, Sofa Solomona will start on the bench um, and Brandon Smith or Tino will start in the... Yeah,
1: I I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Welch got put on the bench and Brandon Smith started the front row. Yeah, you could do and that. Then, yeah, well, imagine that 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 just turns that whole bench around completely different. Yeah, that's what so I mean. Got, it's such yeah, a weird so, look for a bench. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it's not completely out of the dark, because Craig Bellamy has done that like yeah. five times this year.
0: Nico Hines is a weird selection for me, because he's literally a, like, he's a utility back, but to me, it looks as though there's a very high chance that he won't even play a minute. He's literally just there as cover, <laughs> and kind of, you've played really well. Um, if I can get an opportunity to put you in, I will, but the Storm, more than anyone, can go... You've seen them go 70-something minutes and not use up their interchange and just yeah. throw someone on the last 10 if someone needs a rest because there's no one in that back line under an injury cloud except for maybe Vernivalu, who's been knocked up a few times this year. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play. With regards to the Parramatta team... <clears throat> Their full strength with an asterisk, and the inclusion of Will Smith on the bench over Ray Stone, shows that there is a. It shows that Brad Arthur's like, I need Dylan Brown here to play, so I need to score points.
1: But not a hundred percent.
0: He's not a hundred percent, and Will Smith there is backup because Ray Stone, there's nothing he's done that shows he doesn't deserve his spot, and he well, would officially be there in that fourteen. Uh,
1: see, I- I don't actually blame. Sorry, I don't actually blame brother for this because there's no way Dylan Brown's game fit, and he's walking but into the semi-final. He needs to against, be there. He needs yeah, he's walking into the semi-final against Melbourne.
0: If any one of the top four need a week off, it's Parramatta because they need they still have stuff to work on. But that's that's the reason why Will Smith there and not Ray Stone. Um, yeah, so it's it's yeah, he's definitely there for injury cover. Um, oh, I I'm not overly impressed with Eisenhuth. I oh, I'd prefer to have probably Albert Vitae in rather than Eisenhuth, and even Darren Bonie. Hey. He he is a big person. I didn't realize. I was watching some of the um games where he was playing, he is a mongrel-looking dude, eh?
1: He's got some legs on him, eh?
0: Holy jeez. Just to bring some... Because I was like, you've got Nico Hines there already, and he can play second row if needed. He's big enough. Um, Tom Eisenhuth is second row centre. He doesn't have the footballing skill to play anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know. But Craig <laughs> Bellamy's obviously... Craig Bellamy. Yeah,
1: we're not arguing with
0: Craig Bellamy. I'm just a talking head. Uh, we're just just throwing things out there. All right, before we break down the game, here, how's this for a stat? I love this. On Eisenhuth, made his debut. He waited six years for his second game after he made his debut. And in that game, he fractured his larynx. So... He waited six years to play his second game. Remember, he got smashed in the throat. Um, Fractured is larynx, so it's like, welcome back But anyway, so looking at the games that I looked at for these Is over these last five weeks Where we said Parramatta were averaging 22 points a game in defence They were scoring 16 points a game So their average score was a 16-23 to loss Um, I looked at the game last week Where they won 28-24 against the West Tigers It could have been a bit bigger. They had a try disallowed, which was a try every day of the week. Um, Bloody... Shut up. Anyway. uh, So, what was really evident is the Tigers had a lot of success when they took the ball to the line before they passed it. So, Benji Marshall and Luke Brooks, more so Marshall, when he was taking the ball to the line... Once he got there, the slightest little bit of footwork to the outside of the defender, and a late ball at the line was causing Parramatta a lot more issues than sweet plays or backline moves where the ball was passed early. When you look at who who's defending out there, your Moses, your Brown, and your second rowers in Madison and um, <clears throat> Sean Lane. Madison and Lane are very good line runners themselves, but you get them, ask them to move laterally. They're both very tall players, and it's something they struggle in, is the lateral movement. And while Tigers didn't score a try off those plays, they were the play's one or two tackles before a try, but that was the one that got Parramatta bent backwards and on the back foot. And Tiger's got a couple of penalties off that as well. But the late ball movement at the line, and you can see someone like Jerome Hughes doing that. I see more Munster, but yeah. Well, but Munster, if he gets that close to the line, he's generally going to dummy and go, or he'll do a cut-out ball. He's not known for his real short little death. Or even Cam Smith scooting out a dummy half. Although, Although the evidence I saw was more off the edge rather than through the middle. Um, and then, obviously, one massive weakness in their backs is Blake Ferguson under the high ball um, in a pressure situation. So, well, think of yeah. his, uh, Munster in his torpedo, one of the biggest kickers in the game. It, Ferguson, it, he, long distance, but under pressure on the he, ball.
1: He reminds me a lot of Manu, Manu Vadavai in Rocks that, or diamonds. If, Yeah, so if he's on on his day, no one can stop him. But if he's off, that's who you run at all day because he will not catch the football at all. I'm not talking about putting a bum up for a try. This is
0: like the end of the set where you're just putting the bum up and it's going to land like 20 metres out. They're the sort of kicks because you're not putting them up for your wingers to run through and try and grab and score. It's to put the defensive team under pressure. They're the kicks that I see. Uh, especially if you got Olam or Bunavali running through at you. No. <laughs> so with regards to Melbourne, like I said, it was them and Manly, Hasler versus Bellamy, trying to nullify each other's back lines in the late uh Yeah, the last years of 2000 and 2010, the up and in defensive structure. Uh, Melbourne did it to try and shut down uh, Orford and Lyon, and and Manly were doing it to try and shut down uh, Inglis and and Cronk. And Melbourne have continued to do so, but they've changed one thing. They really defend up and in. Uh, Center, half, second row they're all in kind of one line with each other, but their winger hangs back by about two to three metres. And it doesn't matter whether it's the fifth tackle, the fourth tackle, the third tackle, they defend the same way. Now, when you're coming through a season, you're only averaging 12 points against. It shows that it's effective. However, the game that I was watching of them where they did they were troubled, was against uh, the Rabbitohs. They still won that game 22-18, but Cody Walker scored a try against them where they shifted the ball left, and we're so used to Cody Walker sweeping, but he did the unders run, just that angled run back in against the ruck. Now, with Melbourne, because you've got the winger back, if you're sweeping, that wing has got to stay position there, which means your centre, half and second are all moving laterally in defence. If you can have that angled runner coming back, there's no cover on the inside once you've made the break bar the fullback if they're in position. So the only real chink in their armour that I could see would, would be that, would be probably an inside, if not a double inside run on an angle. So if Palmat is going to sweep, I don't see Dylan Brown doing it. He's not as stocky or as powerful runner as Cody Walker. But if he's sweeping and you drop a ball underneath for Wanga Blake, cutting back in on an inside run, or Ryan Madison, shift him wider, that, that's an opportunity there. Um, Bromwich, Sofisola and Welch are all workers and big bodies, but they're not quick. So they do struggle to cover through the middle. Um, I don't see getting around Melbourne because they had their winger back. It also gives Papa some time to cover if needed to. And how many times have we seen Melbourne shut down a play three metres out from the line and take people into touch? Um, the only other thing that Parramatta really have is Paulo, when he gets his offload going, creates a lot of second-phase play that uh, Moses, Marnie, Brown jump all over. If Melbourne can wrap Paulo's offload up, there's no one else in that forward pack that offloads but um, Madison, really,
1: like on a consistent basis. Oh, yeah, i put Brown in that category as well.
0: Yeah, I I'm
1: more thinking like oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I I I reckon Brown's going to be a bit of a chink in uh, Melbourne's armor. Um, I always felt that aggressive when when he Players who can control their aggressive play, mm. always kind of Melbourne always kind of struggled with um, because they have to play such a structured style. They're not used to handling people who, who do that shit, I don't think. Um, and Nathan Brown, he, he can rattle a few of Melbourne's players' cages. This way he runs, way, he gets up, way his enthusiasm all over the park. So, I really like Nathan Brown's chances against Melbourne. Um, I think Melbourne are good enough and disciplined enough to handle him. But he could create a few issues for him, I reckon. Through, especially through that middle. Like, the only one who could really... He's really kind of like him is probably Kenny Bromwich. But he's not the same level as aggressiveness as no. Nathan Brown.
0: No, no. No, I like that, yeah. If, and and outside of scoring around Melbourne, yeah, second phase, second phase play through the middle used to be the thing that troubled them the most. They've tightened up on it, but... Yeah, if you get... If Paulo and Brown get it going early, and have Melbourne kind of scrambling a little bit, um, it could happen. But I think that's also something that Bellamy would have done his homework on. Uh, it was pretty evident to me; it'll be very evident to him. Uh, I'm having a look. What do I write that one up for? 15-6, one hundred. Man, uh, that's pretty much it. I've got on that game here. Uh,
1: you pick and storm.
0: Yeah, I've got Melbourne, twenty eight
1: ten. Yeah, okay. So, the next game. And I think, because we've picked the same teams so you... far.
0: Oh, you got Melbourne, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I picked Storm. This game, I think, could go a bit differently as far as me and Adam go. Obviously, I'm going Newcastle. But I don't, I'm interested to see what Adam says about this game. So, Newcastle versus South Sydney. For South Sydney, you got Corey Allen, Jackson Paul and Alex Johnson as they back three, with um, Campbell Graham, Dan Gagai, Cody Walker, and Josh Reynolds. Up front, you got Tom Burgess, Damian Cook, Junior Totola, Bailey Sirin, and Jaden Sewer and Cam Murray. Then you've got Darren Nichols, Liam Knight, Jed Cartwright, and Kula Matangi, with Eason Masters, oh no, uh, Stephen Masters, sorry, Eason Masters, right, yeah, Hannah Sally, Troy Dargan, and Patrick Margot. For Newcastle, you've got Caelan Ponga, Hymel Hunt and Edric Lee with Tuala and Bradman Best, Mason Leno, Mitchell Pierce. Then you've got Daniel Safidi, Kurt Kurtman, David Klemmer, Aiden Guerra, Lachlan Fitzgibbon comes back with Mitch Barnett at lock. So he didn't get off, but um, NRL did not find enough evidence for the racist remark he said against um, Tyrone Peachy and they've had a reconciliation. So they've met and talked and I'm, I'm assuming, yeah, I don't know what happened it. Then you've got Chris Randall, Jacob Sofiti, Herman Sese, and Matautia with Josh King, Shibasaki, Texley, Brody Jones. Um, I don't know what, I don't know if Adam O'Brien has a cat or a dog and did Texley kick it? Because I don't know what he's done wrong. Um, I believe he should be playing 58 for Newcastle um, I have a lot of doubts about Mason Lino, and I hope the reason he's not the reason he's in there is because he's goal kicking because so I really hope that's not the case um, because he's got the best goal he's the best goal kicker in Newcastle's books um, for me if 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 I wasn't a Newcastle supporter for me, this is the hardest game to pick all round because both teams are so ridiculously inconsistent. I'm, a, I'm obviously going for Newcastle, but if you're definitely basing it on form, you'd have to pick Rabbits because they pump Roosters. With Cody Walker, you know, probably in the four, best game of his career. If you look at Supercoach, it's the best game in history as Supercoach. But the week before that, South Sydney lost to Bulldogs. Um, The week before Newcastle last week lost against Gold Coast, Newcastle beat the Dragons 42 by 42 points. So, and then the week before that, Newcastle got beaten 42-12 and South Sydney won twenty six twenty four against Tigers. Yeah, like it. I don't know. I, if I was looking outside in, because if you just go on last week, yeah, South Sydney's got got the lollies. But you on the week before, no, they don't. And they they they're probably the two most inconsistent teams in the NRL. But I believe, and this is just me, that when Newcastle play teams in the bottom eight, they play like shit. But, no, no it's, it's, it's no, reality. No, we I lost the Bulldogs wrong. badly. We lost to the Warriors. We've lost to a few teams that we shouldn't have lost to. But when we come up against top eight teams... Powerhouses well, like Manly. God, that, that didn't count. You guys are this shit all over. But, like, you know, except for Melbourne and Roosters, we've, we've put it to everybody. Um, yeah. There's a 10 all draw against Pembroke. We smacked Parramatta around the park. Um, we smacked South Sydney around the park, actually, in the first 65 minutes, at least. So, yeah, it is one interesting stat, though. Um, if Caelan Ponga kicked at 83%, I think I think I read it right. Eighty-three to eighty-five percent. Newcastle would be in the top four.
0: Wow, goal kicking wise. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus.
1: Yeah, because they've lost that many games like that. So yeah, because so just why I've
0: at... kept Mason Leno in the team.
1: Yeah, well, they they're kicking. He was kicking at sixty-seven percent or something like that. Pretty sure. So that's the stat that came out last week, which is. It boggles the mind, really, how much goal-kicking matters. But um, I I think the biggest thing that goes against Newcastle is their ability to rock up when they need to. And I'm a bit concerned about this game because they need to rock up this game. They need to rock up the next four games if they're going to do it. So, yeah, they've got the players there who's got the big game experience. There's no excuses anymore. Um, And... Yeah, they've just got gonna... to – and if you go on both teams' patterns because they seem to win one, lose one, win one, lose one, uh-huh. this is the week for South Sydney to lose. This is the week for Newcastle to win.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, that's one of the things I wrote down as well. It's, uh, one big thing here, though, as well is this game's been played at ANZ, not at uh, not Newcastle. And what's also interesting to me is the odds for this game. So last game was a, a second versus third, and it was a dollar seventeen versus five dollars. This one's a $1. dollar thirty versus three fifty. So it's a it's a closer game betting race than the um second versus third, which you don't often see. Um, they only met once this year, which is in round ten, um at Bankwest Stadium with Knights winning that one twenty to eighteen. Um,
1: power up. They were up twenty to four with fifteen minutes to go. Yes. Yeah. So everyone remembers that too.
0: Oh well, t- mm, mm. knights dominated that game. Ah, rabbits scored all eighteen of their points in a seven-minute period, um, sixty-fifth to the seventy-second minute. So it was only a very small portion of dominance that South had in that game.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, one difference there for the Newcastle is they also had McCulloch and Connor Watson playing. Um, Neither of them are there this game.
1: But I think South Sydney had Latrell playing.
0: Yeah, could have done. Yeah. They've yeah. had so many different back lines that are all good. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yes, like Jared said, they've both alternated over the last five weeks, which is so random to see. So, yes, coming yeah. into this game, win-loss, 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 it should be for the Rabbitohs, and then loss-win, loss-win-loss, win. Loss, win, loss, win. It should be for the Knights, which is completely random. Um, over the whole season, 11 wins apiece <clears throat> at 58%. Um, Points-wise, Rabbits 461, oh, not 415. Sorry, they didn't have Mitchell. Okay. Uh, points <laughs> against, 344 to 338. So... Rabbitohs' average game was a 24-18 win and a Knight's average game was a 21-17 win. So slightly less oh. points for. Um, at ANZ, 56 to 52% win rate. Uh, rabbits over overnight, so not much in there. Ins and outs, uh, there isn't any based off last week. Uh, both teams had ins last week. I had a look at the 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 roosers oh, the roosers the rabbits bench and they've gone with four forwards. Uh, it's a pretty big bench, but it's also quite, uh, in my opinion, inflexible. You've pretty much got two second rowers, a prop, and then uh, a usable forward in Liam Knight. They can play anywhere, but one one injury to anyone in the backs and I was struggling I think but They would Siernan's think. going
1: to have to push out
0: yeah I know but even then you're like eh oh, I'd, but, I'd be bringing Masters off the reserves into the interchange and probably drip, dropping Nichols because he's the least exciting yeah. just, just so they've got some cover and some because remember this is an elimination it's not a all right, if we miss this one, we might bring him in next week. If they need, if it's tied up towards the end and they need an X-factor, I'd rather be bringing Stephen Masters off the bench than Mark Nichols or Jed Cartwright or someone like that. <laughs> um, for the Knights, I think last week we talked about rather having Tex Hoy at 5'8 than Lino. And um, the reason was Lino is just slow and kind of a, a light he's not, speed.
1: Look, he's got a kicking game but he's just not creative enough. And that's what Mitchell... Yeah, I know,
0: but going back in and then watching, so I had a look at... um, What games did I watch? I've got them written down here. I watched the Rabbits and Roosters, obviously, and then I watched the Rabbits versus... They were two weeks back. Sorry, I didn't write that one down. I wrote down on my notes. But I didn't actually write what uh, game I took them from. It was the West Tigers one, the tight one. How how long ago was that? Yeah, three Bahoon. weeks. They won 26-24, Rabbits over Tigers.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, and i watched the one where they lost to the Bulldogs. Yeah, so I watched three games for them. Um, with the Rabbits... <clears throat> there's a huge difference in how they play depending on the mindset of Cody Walker. He runs the ball more the play that Reynolds takes the ball to the line. If Reynolds uses the ball early, Walker uses the ball early, which is kind of weird because if Reynolds uses it early, Walker's actually got more room to run. Yeah. But tends not to. Whereas when Reynolds takes the ball to the line and then shifts it, Walker's more likely to run because the defense is then stationary, basically. So they've had to focus in on Reynolds because he's still got the ball. Now, we saw what Walker can do when he runs the ball against the Roosters and also against the Storm, two of the best defensive sides. For that sort of stuff to work, though, you need a fullback who can position themselves well and knows what they're doing. And South have been using Corey Allen at fullback. And he's kind of been a name that has had talents around him. But I watched him specifically in the last three games in his positioning. Now, not once did I see Walker link up with Allen. They position themselves on opposite sides of the field, almost like halves do. And both go into a first or second receiver role off Reynolds or off Damian Cook. Um, so, Alan's not afraid of getting into the line. And it's a beautiful try they score against um, the West Tigers, where it's a, a catch and pass where he's caught it around his ankles and flicked it on. But he very much reminded me of how Inglis plays fullback or played fullback, big body, and he kind of. Looms into the back line Rather than busts into the back line Kind of like a Pappenhausen Or a um, later Or a Ponga does He kind of just looms there He's got the positioning yeah. He's always in the right position From what I saw And then once he's got the ball He takes off And because he's got the size He can run through people And through gaps But he does have the Draw and passing ability I actually quite liked what I saw um i didn't realize how imposing a figure he was he he's bigger than i than i thought he was when you actually watch him specifically and i really any anything around the middle of the field he's going to be there to support and any that they shift it he's going to be there as a link so his positioning's quite good in attack now for the Knights, that means Kurtman, Barnett, and um, Randall, when he comes on, you're your locking your hooker, their communication with the markers, whoever they are, is going to be crucial. Not only just for Damien Cook, but for which plays Walker and, and Allen are positioning themselves on. Yeah. Um, the Knights... I've I've decided to end up to go in with Lino because if this is a tight game and I, I think the Knights had the ability to keep it tight, you need someone outside of Pierce that can kick the ball, and um, Lino's attacking kicking is really good when it's on. It's yeah. he's got a range of short kicks and his goal kicking could prove crucial. And with Fitzgibbon, Barnett, Guerra Randall, I think he can cover defensive deficiencies enough um, for him to prove that he needs to play. So for the Rabbits to win, they just need to get go forward. Um, and if Knights can't slow their go forward down, Points are just going to flow in their back lines. That's what their back lines yeah. are going to do. Okay.
1: So, yeah, that's that's my key area for Newcastle. I think Barnett's the key. Because you said all about all those plays that South Sydney put on. I reckon if you watched them, 80 to 90% of them would come after Cam Murray runs. Because he's got such a quick play to ball with Damien Cook there. So... Um if Barnett not only can stop Murray, but kind of get under his skin a little bit as well. And with his big hits and you gotta get Murray on his back every single time. So I think Barnett's really important with that because if like you said, if South Sydney get a roll, you you just you're done. Like that's that's because that's what happened in that game they played against him. They just started offloading and running up the middle and finding their front, getting up quick. So, yeah, I think that's a big thing that Newcastle got to do. they got to control the middle at their speed because that's where South Sydney is so strong.
0: We talked this year about how well Burgess has played and he's kind of... I'm not going to say gone off the boil, kind of gone back to normal the last sort of few weeks, but others have stepped up. But the games that they've won, he's been... Kind of back to his old self. For the Knights to win, I already talked about limiting Lino's defence. I think... Who made the call? I don't know. I didn't agree with it. So uh, Some made a call that Newcastle can't win a premiership with Ponger at fullback. Uh, oh. This week. And it was... Um, McDougal. Yeah, Adam McDougall. And I was just going, yeah. Are you serious? Like they've already tried him at 5'8. But then I I read I read through the article and I found myself agreeing with one point. When they're in the attacking 20, you want Ponger with his hands on the ball as much as Pierce has it. So whether he's coming in as first receiver on one side or second receiver rather than the five eight, I can agree with him getting it in the red zone. Not not as the sweeper, but as the ball player, as the 5'8". But that's the only part of the field I want him in that position. The rest of it, I want him to have the freedom to roam and pop up where he does. I think he getting the ball there rather than Lino. But Lino getting on the fifth tackle to get a repeat set to get the attacking kick away could make a big difference. He's going to ask more questions than Lino will. So if they're in the red zone and it's third tackle, fourth tackle, I'd rather Ponga getting the ball off Pierce or off Man than Lino. And then for the fifth tackle, Lino getting it for the kick. For that to be successful, when the Knights are running the ball back at the end of a rabbit set, I don't want Ponga running the ball back once. I want Edric Lee and Heimel Hunt doing all the kick returns because I'd need Ponga as fresh as possible for our attacking sets. And he doesn't have a big body, so him running the ball back isn't going to be anywhere near as effective as Hunt or Edric Lee doing so. They're, they're to me, the three keys of Newcastle want to win. Having Ponga... As a 5'8 receiver in the attacking zone, limiting Lino's defense and Lee and Hunt doing all the kick return. That's what Newcastle needs to do with the ball. And then without the ball, obviously, like you said, slow down their middle.
1: See, I don't agree with that. I think Ponga needs to be third receiver. Every time. I just think, or at least second receiver, he can't get the ball off dummy half. He's too crowded. So, and I've said it all year, Ponga is their best attacking threat. Mm. It's 100%. You've got to give him room. you got to put him in a position where he has room. And when he's first receiver, he doesn't have that. And not yet, he will be, but he's not at the point where he's creating creating the room, yeah, I don't think he's great at running, and he's great at sliding across and yes, putting someone in a hole. But I just think that his ball plane's not there yet. And I think if you get him ball, if you watch ninety percent of the games, especially the game against South Sydney actually, when he got the ball with you know ten meters in front of him. He scored three tries and set up two more or something like that. So I think he scored twice. No, he, scored, he did score three tries. And then he got that massive cutout ball. So that's his best position for me. And he will learn how to do, you know, play the first receiver role. But I just don't think he's there yet. Um, and that's what I, my biggest criticism of Newcastle has been, especially of Kurt Mann playing 5'8". Ponga's had to take that role, and he's been nullified because of it. So, that's where I see Ponga being the strongest, is when his second, third receiver got that space, got a centre either running a hole or running under him, and then him skipping on the outside. When he's got the space, I think he's unbeatable. But when he's got the ball in first receiver his decision-making is not there, I don't believe, especially when he's on his right-hand side. He's okay, got better at it.
0: Let's meet in the middle and say second receiver.
1: Okay. Second I, I, receiver I, I can agree I to that. Yeah, But if you watch Newcastle a lot this year, when he's been at first receiver, he seems very cramped. And on the left-hand side, he's got a bit more room because that's his dominant side. Mm-hmm. But on the right-hand side, which Adam O'Brien... Has really started to get into him this year about because he seems to be on the right more than he's on the left, actually. Um he seems very um, uncertain of what he's gonna do.
0: But look at that Rabbit's back line. You have him at third receiver, they got too much pace, they'll be able to get up and, and especially Campbell Graham and his defensive reads.
1: Well, I I, I think yeah, yes and no. I think that Ponger. K- Campbell Graves Graham's not as quick off the mark as Ponger is. No, but he takes up a lot of space. He, well, his arms his arm length is there, yeah. I don't know. I just I, I just think that Pongers best when he's when he's put into room. And that's what I think is the biggest thing because every every defensive team knows that if Ponger and Pierce are on your left, ponger Pierce is gonna get it, have a second role running, and then hit pick point um, and that's where I think Newcastle have been lacking this year because they haven't had a 5-8 on the other side to create that option as well and when they did look best Blake Green was playing at 6 yeah so uh, but that, that's just me um, I've, I've been highly critical of Kurt Mann all year and a lot of people are off me about it but yeah <laughs> not a lot of people agree with it's an example of super coach world versus um,
0: real world uh, <laughs> yeah. Like you look at some yeah, those, of coach players, you're like, I don't want them in my team. And then you look at their numbers, you're like, should I actually pick them? You're like, yeah. never feel confident. And then they keep putting up big points. You're like, what the hell is going on?
1: So, who's you pick what I'm loving
0: about Newcastle is that this is their best forward pack I think they can put out there. Um, I'd, still, yeah. I'd still prefer SASA in the starting. Side. Well, where do you put him? Because Barnett's uh, our
1: best lock. And you, uh, can't, you can't take away Safidi and Clemmer.
0: No, I, I like Barnett on an edge more than I like him at lock, especially attacking-wise, because when you're talking about Ponga being crowded, Barnett's an edge where he goes more, more like one on two as opposed to one on three when he runs through the middle. He's just as dominant having Fitzgibbon, one on each edge. I've always liked that about Newcastle.
1: See, but the thing about that is... And you guys need you to can...
0: score points to win, and he's a better option at scoring points than he is at lock. Well, he's on the, the edge. thing
1: about it, if you are watching the game, him and Guerra actually swap. Switch a lot, about, yeah. About the 50th minute mark for a lot. So for the last half hour, Barnett's, Barnett's actually playing at second row.
0: And that's why I just prefer him there. And, and Guerra, I know yeah. it's going to be his last game. Um, if they lose, but <laughs> I was gonna say what I said, if they lose, uh, I oh, know oh, I just it's still a good forward pack. I, uh, to me, I just feel
1: I guess better. Um, but how much do you reckon to change if Brayley was there? Would you, would you lean it towards who? more new Bradley? Because no, nah. nah, you don't, you don't think it change too much. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it would change more if
0: Connor Watson was there than if Braley was there.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's like he offers
0: a, I yeah. think he offers
1: more than. Yeah. I, I'm I'm just like. I, I'd love to see what Newcastle's strongest team would be this year because it, I admit everyone's had injuries. I'd love to see Manly's Newcastle's, strongest team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's had injuries. Um, yeah, but no one gives a shit about Manly in the finals. But. Would have been curious as to who Adam O'Brien would have bought because, because Brayley got injured, he had to buy McCulloch mm. and Green. Was, so, <laughs> if, I'd be very curious. So he's
0: coming back from suspension.
1: Yeah, there's a big that in that? for them.
0: Was that the big shot on uh, yeah,
1: I can't remember who it was, but it's yeah,
0: oh, on uh, uh, Lachlan Lewis. There's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. it was fine.
1: Oh, I'll tell you, tell you someone who does need to step up who I've been pretty disappointed with this year is Lachlan Fitzgerald. Mitchell Fitzgibbon. Pierce. Damn it. <laughs> Lachlan Fitz. given uh, Pierce has been trying just as hard as Cherry Evans all year. Um, but yeah, Lachlan Fitzgerald has been disappointed. But yeah, who are you tipping? South. South? Okay. By margin?
0: No, because I think, I think Knights actually have the edge in the forwards slightly, but Souths have the edge in the backs. Well, and then the halves um, are the big difference.
1: Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting because obviously Tom Burgess on his day is pretty dominant, but um, not compared to Safidi Tertol- uh, and Klammer. But then you add Totola in there, I reckon he's a future bloody star. He's a oh, really yeah. solid. Front I'm not
0: role, saying so. I'm not saying Souths have a bad foot because like Cook, no, 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 no,
1: I'm just saying that like it does, man. Yeah. Hello.
0: Uh, the Newcastle props outdo Souths, um, and then the back three. Uh, Murray's an X factor. Fitzgibbon and Barnett, um, compared to Sewer and Sirenin. I oh, know it's only it's a slight edge, but it's an edge. But in the backs, um, Ponga over Allen, but then Johnson, Graham, um, Gagai, Paolo over Tuala, Best and Hunt. But then the big one is Walker and Reynolds compared to Lino and Pierce. That's the big difference. And that's yeah. what's going to win in the game.
1: It, it would be different if Green was playing, because I reckon that'd be pretty even. But mm. yeah. But
0: yeah, I, but I, that's. I could not I, I couldn't pick a um a score on this one, but it'd be something oh, I still see it being kind of high scoring. Um something like a twenty six twenty two or a twenty eight twenty, something like that. Um I think both teams are gonna score points. Uh Rabbit I hope best, best gets best back to influence.
1: His
0: yeah. Well for a young guy it's Hard to throw it on to get back to what they were doing earlier. And, um, yeah. All right. So, that's our week one finals preview. Um, I'm going to get this posted up right now because it's Friday morning. Um, Good luck to you and your teams if they're in the finals. Otherwise, we'll be talking to you uh, Monday morning.
1: Mm, See you. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.